Now listen, peoples. Everybody said they don't like the blues. But you're wrong. See, the blues come from way back. Oh, yeah. If you look at sheer numbers, the most impactful and listened to music ever created by humans is blues music. Oh, yeah. No other kind of music in the sub-genres it spawned has been listened to by more people. Everything gonna be alright this morning. Today we want to focus on five films that depict different stages of the evolution of blues music. And we have two recurring guests to guide us along the musical road. We have professional musician and music teacher Bridget Hall. Hi Bridget. Hi. And we have unprofessional musician and avid blues fan Shai Golan. Hi Shai. Hi, hello. And both are also long-time patrons uh, of the show. Thank you, guys. So the films we'll be discussing today are Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? The 2000 Coen Brothers film. In constant sorrow through his day. We have Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, 2020 film starring Viola Davis and the late uh, Chadwick Boseman. Then Cadillac Records from 2008 with Adrian Brody, Jeffrey Wright and Beyoncé. Ray, about Ray Charles, from 2004, with Jamie Foxx. And the cult 1980 film, The Blues Brothers, with John Belushi and Dan Aykroyd. We do sincerely hope you all enjoy the show. Okay, so Shai, what's like your main takeaway from these uh, five movies? Basically, we're talking about uh, blues music, which is a kind of evolution from the... Afro-American slaves that arrived to the United States. I'll be so glad. <coughs> While they were there, the whole ethnical identity was kind of erased. They don't know where in Africa they came from. The little things that were left was, were kind of mixed in with, uh, first of all, the Christian uh, religion, which they were, mostly everybody were converted to, and the European music that they got to know while they were there. From this mix... And from the hard life of slaves and later, even when, they're not, when they weren't slaves, they were sharecroppers walking in the cotton fields and they got like very little pay for that. And uh, in that kind of vibe, uh, the blues music uh, started. Uh, so uh, the movies we're going to discuss, they bring, I think, like many facets of this. Each film is... describes a different time period and then it describes a different step in the evolution and the interrelationship between the black musicians and the white usually <laughs> record uh, producers and, and the bosses well I think these five movies really like Shai said they bring together a lot of different facets of blues music so different areas different time periods and also Like the beginning of when blues music began to be popularized in popular culture and how that was brought to a much wider audience, which is an interesting story. Oh, yeah. And then also, you know, unfortunately where that ended up <laughs> with the theft of that culture and the appropriation of it. Uh, yeah, cultural theft, the social themes of injustice and has resulted in that music being brought into um, a completely different context. Um, but it was, it was really great to find out a lot about where it came from. Give it its own respect by watching uh, particularly Ma Rainey. 
that was a great film that really told that story, I thought, very well. These movies, these films uh, clearly prove something that I guess we already know us and agree about, that you can never separate politics from art. It's just... Politi- like art is always a reaction to the political situation. They created art out of their own political context, and their political context had a lot of pain. And one way that they channeled that pain out was through music. And I think human talent flows where it can flow. And because of the way society was set up, the human talent of the African-American community flowed in amazing quantities into music. I think this is an underrated reason for the greatness of African-American music. Pain is, is so potent in art that... This is part of the reasons that it allowed it to cross over to different races because it's something that, something that we can all empathize. Uh, we need to uh, remember that blues music is a very, very simple music. It doesn't, it's not very uh, complicated. It usually has three chords or less in a song. You can say anyone can play blues, but it's not true because if you don't have like what you said, what you talk about the, the pain, the feeling, the vibe uh, when you when you do it, it's not blues. I'd rather be dead sleeping in the ground yeah, because there's a specific context under which it was created. okay, so let's let's start with the old brother were hot down. by uh, Joel and Ethan Cohen, Cohen uh, starring Joel Clooney, John Torturo, and Tim Blake Nelson. It's supposedly set in the 30s, but we talked about it, Shai, there's like a feeling, a vibe of like early 20th century. You don't feel like it's like the World War II is about to start uh, in a minute. So even though it's later than our next movie, Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, we want to put it in the, in the beginning because maybe it sheds more light on the origins and, of uh, that story. I think, okay, maybe it, maybe it feels a little older than the 30s because it, it, it's in the deep south. It's, it was a more backwater kind of place, so it probably feels a little more old. I heard there's a man down there. He pays folks money singing to his cane. They say he pays next if you play real good. It's set at the time after uh, Marin's Black Bottom, but uh, because it's set at the south, I think probably around Mississippi, uh, it, uh, you can see like the real start of uh, the blues music and, and other genres also. I, I think one of the best, uh, best things about this movie is... soundtrack a lot of people I know and myself included got to know all of these genres of music blues uh, country uh, I don't know gospel spirituals uh, from that movie this movie really but the vibe of the like the country feel and what's that vibe you see in this movie a lot of poor people set in the 30s so it's in the time of the Great Depression in the United States everybody just want to survive. Uh, and they're make, making music. So it doesn't matter if it's country music or it's blues music. It comes from the same 
uh, roots. They're really similar types of music. The, only, the, the main difference is that country is the, for whites and by whites, and blues is for blacks and by blacks. I hope I'm yeah. being PC here. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. Yes, Bridget. What do you think of the movie? Like, uh, yeah. What is it? Where did it take you? Um, yeah, it really took me to that to that time of depression era music, particularly that song, you know, like when you say shy, everybody's just trying to survive that song. Oh, death is a really good example of, of an expression of that in music in the movie, you know, just asking for mercy, asking for another day. Oh, death, please consider my age. Please don't take me at this stage. Um, and it also just uh, made me really think about how live music played a, a much larger part in people's lives back then in everyday life. You know, the music of folk music was around um, all the time, people just singing and playing their guitars in their houses, in their workplaces, um, in their communities all the time, and how music you know, they used music, you know, to share their collective cultural experience of the depression of being poor and impoverished and and put down, but also to try and lift themselves up, you know, and you hear that in the fiddle dance tunes. And also to try and find solace, which you hear in the movie through gospel music. And also the movie puts an emphasis on the shift. Maybe it, maybe it touches on the point that you made, Bridget, of uh, the importance of live music. And we're at the beginning of uh, mass communicating. <laughs> hey, mister. I don't mean to be telling tales out of school, but there's a fella in there who'll pay you $10 if you sing into his can. I'm not here to make a record, you dumb cracker. They broadcast me out on the radio. That's Governor Menelaus past the biscuits, Pappy O'Daniel. And ain't you appreciated if you ate his farina and voted him a second term? Finest governor we ever had in Mississippi. In any state. Oh, Lord, yes. Every parish or precinct, he was making the bigger point. Well, ain't you gonna press the flesh, Pappy? Do a little politicking? I'll press your flesh, you little son bitch. You don't tell your Pappy how to cut the electorate. We ain't one at a time in here. We're mass communicating. Oh, yes. That's a powerful new force. Shake a leg, Junior. So the band in the movie, the Soggy Bottom Boys, they're made up of three white country singers and one black guitar blues player. Uh, this is in the time of segregation and Jim Crow. And basically that music that, as you said, uh, you know, it, it, it brings solace. And then you take that and with, uh, with the radio, it just becomes... It's like the, evolu- the starting of the evolution of, of it to become a business, right? This is, this is, you can get just like that to thousands and hundreds of thousands of people, whatever, through the radio. Woo! Hot damn, Hot son! Damn. I believe you did sell your soul to the devil! And the fact that there is money involved basically creates like a cast of middlemen, the owners of radio stations. We're going to see that play out later in the other movies, how that evolves. And then there are other middlemen and managers and PR representatives. This is like when this kind of music and all kinds of music become a business. 
and it's intertwined with the uh, politics in the way that politics becomes also part of show business. You can see the governor at the end, uh, the incumbent dancing and using the, the show. It's also a little bit of foreshadowing. You have like a Trump-like uh, character. He's like very populist, but super racist. And the other guy, he's elitist and racist, but it's not that important to him to be racist. So he doesn't mind uh, not being racist if it means that he's gonna win. Holy These boys are a hit! Look happy! They's integrated! Great! So I guess I'm mind is integrated! You miscegenated! All you boys oh, is miscegenated! Give me a microphone! Oh, give me a microphone! Give me a microphone! These boys is not white! Look, I happen to know, ladies and gentlemen, that this band of miscreants here, this very evening, interfered with a lynch mob in the performance of its duties. Well, yeah, it's true! See, I belong to a certain secret society. I don't believe I gotta mention its name. <laughs> and again, this is 1937. So Hitler is he's already in power in Germany. Jesse Owens won all those gold medals a year earlier in Berlin. So this is just like a different look at America that we're frankly not used to getting uh, in Hollywood uh, at all. The part uh, where they record the song at the radio station, I think it's mm -hmm. the radio guy is blind. So they tell him, uh, we hear that you pay good money to sing into a can. Well, that all depends. You boys do Negro songs? Uh, well, uh, sir, we are Negroes, all except for our, uh, our company, uh, uh, the fellow that plays the guitar. Yeah, well, I don't record Negro songs. No, I'm looking for some old-timing material. You see, people can't seem to get enough of it. The soggy bottom boys have been steeped in old-timey material. That's right. Yes, we ain't really Negroes. Oh, except for our companies. So, yeah, the Man of Country Story is like a country song, basically. Yeah, and uh, it's mostly, I think, uh, was played. In, it's a well-known song before the movie, and it was really popular after the movie. I, I really liked it. I constantly listened to it. In constant sorrow. Again, it's not a blues uh, song, uh, but it it could be like you, you could change it a little bit, and it will be a blues blues song. I, I maybe Bridget can like maybe point to the mu musical differences between uh, the two genres, but it's not really that big of a difference. Um, I think the musical differences, you know, as a, as a person who's absolutely not an expert on this, please don't don't take this as the gospel truth, <laughs> but. To me, the, the musical differences between country and blues is that the blues has a much more laid-back beat and the rhythm is likely to be a little slower and more centred around the guitar playing, um, mixing with the melodies. Um, with country music, I think that it's usually a little bit more upbeat, um, faster, less about... Uh, guitar licks than it is just about a chordal accompaniment um, via the guitar. Yeah, usually a little bit more on the front of the beat. Like the blues is always a little bit more on the back of the beat. Well, 
What does that mean for uh, people like me who don't know anything about music? Um, the, the, the blues has a less driving beat than a country piece. To me, the country music is always a little bit more like um, the beat moves forward at a faster pace and you always feel like it's propelling the music, the beat is propelling the music, whereas with blues music, you feel like the music drags the beat along with it. Blues is on the two and fours and country is on the one and three, One right? and three. That's right, yeah. A bar, a bar has uh, four beats. One, two, three, four. One, okay. two, three, four. So... Uh, uh, How you ac- accentuate the, the different beats uh, reflects on, on the feel of the song. So if you do one, two, three, four, one, two, three, and you accentuate the one and the three, it's like... I had a friend named Rambling Bob. He used to steal, gamble and rob. As, as Bridget said, it leads the beat. Okay. Other than one, two, three, four. This is more like that. Two, three, four, one, two. Come on, mom. Let's go to the cabaret. Yeah. Yay, I, under- I understood it. Oh, I learned something. God, are you sure you're not the music teacher? I feel embarrassed. <laughs> Sorry about that. Really failed you as music teacher. <laughs> Yikes. Uh, so uh, one thing that we have to mention about uh, this movie, which is why I guess we put it first, your point, Rashai. So it's not strictly blues. It's more like the roots and... The African-American, he's in the background. He's not, it's, not a, it's not a movie about black music, American black music. Yeah. So are, are you ready to move on to, to uh, Ma Rainey's and uh, there we get more uh, bluesy? One detail about the, the, the only black character which is in the movie, uh, Tommy Johnson. Tommy Johnson, the character, is based on a real uh, blues man called Tommy Johnson. And uh, the tale of uh, being at the crossroads, sending your soul to the devil, uh, was told also about Tommy Johnson, but is more um, attributed to another bluesman called Robert Johnson, no relation. I went to the crossroads, well, I'm on my It's like one of the uh, most known myths about blues. The man... goes to the crossroads, sells his soul to the devil, and, and it really connects to the relation between blues and the gospel. Because gospel is the music at the church, and it's God's music, and blues is Satan music. And that, that was how it was perceived back then. And it's going to play out uh, later in the, in the episode. Yeah. There's a payoff. Uh, okay, so let's, uh, let's move on to uh, Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. 2020 uh, you can catch it on uh, Netflix it's an adaptation uh, on a play and it's b- basically it's a, it's a dramatization of a recording session of real blues artists in the 1920s I had a blues so bad set down on my floor um, well I really enjoyed this movie let me just say that first up I thought Like, the play must have been way ahead of its time to talk about all the social justice issues that are faced by black Americans with, you know, in such an interesting way in showing it through the music and through a rehearsal, just through those everyday processes that they were going through in this, um, in this movie. And, like, the movie is so encapsulated, which obviously, you know, a play is always encapsulated as well. Um, and, yeah, I just thought it was very clever. 
so this movie is about a group of musicians trying to make a recording of a song by an artist called Ma Rainey, who was a real person. All right, boys, you didn't see the rest. Now I'm going to show you the best. Ma Rainey's going to show you her black bottom. We're down south in Alabama. I got a friend they call Dancing Sammy. Who's crazy about all the latest dancing? Black bottom stomps and the new baby prancing. She was a recording artist who was from the south and she made recordings in Chicago. Um, so this is about one day just trying to get that recording with her. And just through the process of trying to rehearse, make the recording, the interactions between all the characters, it just touches on so many issues. Um, the experience of being a black person in America um, in, a, in the post-slavery environment, um, trying to find your way. Um, as Shai mentioned before, being a person who comes from an overseas country but doesn't know where they come from, um, and that's talked about as being one of the leftovers um, when they when they have that scene and talk about leftovers, um, and just about you know the juxtaposition of uh, like the white values of consumerism that you see through the record producer and through the you know the other people that they encounter the white people that they encounter in the process of trying to make this recording and through their traditional black values of that music being a part of a strong part of their culture and something that evolved from a, a shared place of cultural heritage. So yeah, those are some of the issues that it touches on. Um, yeah, does someone else want to say something about it? <laughs> I guess this is a good time to state that uh, us three are uh, not Americans and we are either uh, completely white or mostly white. I would be the least uh, white <laughs> of us. I have like a quarter <laughs> that is not white. <laughs> you can barely see. Uh, and we come from countries, Israel and Australia, that have uh, their own uh, problems with racism. So it's not just like, you know, oh, those Americans. This is a universal thing uh, that oh, we yeah. know from our own uh, society. Yeah, Australia is a, a society that still grapples with the issues of colonization and the oppression of... Um, the indigenous people. I guess, I guess, Bridget, you're on the news. We don't have those issues anymore. We solved our problems. <laughs> Congratulations. No anymore here and uh, no oppression. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. It's awesome. <laughs> you should try it, Bridget. I'll try I it. it. <laughs> I know they ain't rehearsing Levy's Black Bottom. I know I ain't hearing that. Ma, that's what I wanted to talk to you about. Levy's version of that song, it really picks it up. I ain't telling Levy nothing. I don't know what he done to that song. I don't like to sing it that way. I'm doing it the old way. That's why I brought my nephew in here to do the voice intro. Well, that's what people want now, Ma. They want something they can dance to. Levy's arrangement gives the people what they want. It makes them excited. It makes them forget about their troubles. Ma Rainey, uh, in real life, is one of the first, not only one of the first blues women, she's one of the first blues person. She, uh, at least one of the first that was recorded. Uh, so... The movie is set like 1920s, right? Oh, yeah. She's a blues artist living in the South, performing in the South. In, uh, we see it at the start of the movie. There's like a big tent. Uh, for me, it reminds me of what I learned about blues music, which was... Uh, and Bridget also touched about, about, upon it uh, before. Uh, at the end of the workday, they went to like some house. It was called a juke joint. And uh, they 
sat there and smoked and drank uh, and uh, gambled and danced and there was blues music and that that was like that's how they um, wind up wind off wind out down. wind down <laughs> yeah that was their, their way to wind down at the end of the day wind down In the meantime, uh, the, all of the cotton industry started to get more uh, industrialized. People started to migrate north to the, to the cities, and uh, to Chicago, to Detroit, and other places. And there was starting to be a very big uh, Afro-American population in the cities. And uh, the white rich guys uh, identified a place to make money. And uh, this started the industry of uh, race music. They called it race music. which was mainly, let's bring blues artists from the South, uh, record them, and then we can sell records to the black population of the cities. Like white-owned uh, labels yeah. using black music to sell black music to black people. Yes. Okay. And th- this is the start of race music, as it's called. And uh, we really see it here. So she's coming to the studio. She has her white manager, and there's the white studio technician, I don't know, The manager is like very nice, very cordial, but they all know uh, what the relations are. So like she's not fooled by it, but she plays along. And uh, on the other hand, you have a uh, Chadwick Boseman character, which like feels that he can advance through uh, this industry. Hey, let me, did you finish that song? Yes, sir, Mr. Studdivan, I got it right here. I wrote that other part just like you say. It go like, you can swing it, you can bring it, you can dance at any hall, you can slide across the floor, you'll never have to stop my jelly roll. Then I wrote that part for the other people to dance, like you say for them to forget about their troubles. Good, good. I will see about your songs as soon as I get the chance. I'll just take this. Yes, sir, Mr. Stutterman. Created something that is not blues, that created some music that can really cross over to a white audience, but at this time... No black musician can cross over to white audience, even if he created a music that is like good enough I'm doing air quotes here uh, for the white people uh, we need white musicians to record it so. You can swing it, you can bring it, you can dance at any hall It's a very sad movie, very intense movie, a lot of uh... frustrations and uh, intergenerational also yeah. uh, differences in how they view the world uh, I recommend it it's a it's a good movie yeah I, I think that intergenerational trauma is a huge theme in that movie the way that that plays out in the end as well you know in the cycle of violence and there's The sadness that people feel you know from their own background Chadwick Boseman tells the story of his childhood and it's really sad but you don't have in, in, within that culture you don't have to have your own individual story of sadness to share the trauma that was experienced by people who had a family background of slavery their ancestors being trafficked by you know colonialists you know that goes all the way through the music and it The main feeling that comes through is it's an, an act of political defiance as much as anything else. As much as it's being captured to be sold on to a white audience, it's also um, an expression of black culture that 
in some elements can't be taken away. Like, the essence of it can't be taken away from them. I never could stand no silence. I always had to have some music going on in my head somewhere. It keeps things balanced. Music could do that. It fills things up. More music you have in the world, full it is. I can agree with that. I got that in my music, too. White folk don't understand about the blues. They hear it come out, but they don't know how it got there. They don't understand that that's life's way of talking. You don't sing to feel better. You sing because that's the way of understanding life. Blues help you get out of bed in the morning. You get up knowing you ain't alone. Something else in the world. Something been added by that song. This be an empty world without the blues. (laughs) In the performance, what it's trying to say, something that that flies in the face of of the oppression and the put downs. I, I like how she like asserts herself in the small things. Like she brings her, I don't know, cousin, nephew, which stutters and she uh, demands that he will record it and uh, they all you have to wait until he gets the line right. And everybody has to wait until she gets her Coke. And uh, she knows that's the only way she can like assert herself. She can't get like more money. She can't own the music that she's recording, but she can... Make the white people sweat a little bit before she uh, brings them the recording they want so bad. I felt like as well with her nephew, um, you know, his stutter, them trying to overcome it and her saying, no, we're going to wait until he can get it right. He's he's going to be on this record and this is something that's for him. Um, it was a comment as well on solidarity and how sometimes, you know, it's difficult to show solidarity in... The set, in settings where people are traumatized and they have, um, they've been affected by their past, but it's also really important to keep solid. Daddy, daddy, please come home to me. Okay, so let's move on to Cadillac Records. It's not a very good movie, I think. I think that you know it's a, it's an it's interesting because of the things that it uh, talks about. You sing the blues, you don't have to live them. What do you know? White boy. Chicago 1950. I want to thank all uh, Lynn Chess here for giving Muddy Water a chance to shine. Sex had a sound. Play that for me. Danger had a rhythm. What's that for? Casting any good guys need shooting. And freedom had a music. I'm a ruler, though. All its own. I don't bribe DJs. I don't. Based on true events of the legends who changed music forever. Better make it good. They don't get no better. Mr. Wallace, we're big fans. We named our band after one of your songs. Yeah. Rolling Stone. And there's uh, Leonard Chess, who was owner of Chess Records. It's uh, Adrian Brody. And uh, Jeffrey Wright, who is uh, Muddy Waters. And uh, we love Jeffrey Wright, right? We've seen him in Westworld and uh, a lot of other stuff. And Beyonce. Etta James. There's also Most Def. I think he, he goes by a different name now. Like a Muslim name that I, don't, I don't remember. For The artist formerly known as uh, Most <laughs> Def. He's listed as Most Def uh, in the movie. There's also um, the guy that plays Howling Wolf. 
uh, which was he was Karim Said from Oz. I don't remember the name of the actor. Eamon uh, Walker, Walker, Eamon Walker. I don't know how to pronounce his first name. I like him really, and he, wow, he nails it. Okay, so now we jumped up a step in the evolution we talked about. We're in the, it starts in the 40s. So like the intro of the, of the movie, you kind of get a glimpse of what we talked about. Like uh, they're walking in the fields. They have like the, the walk songs. And at the end of the day, he goes back to his like shack plays the guitar uh, also there is um, the character of uh, Alan Lomax uh, we didn't talk about it earlier uh, he was a guy uh, like a music researcher all of the earliest uh, blues recordings were recorded by him and his father he just went to the south south and met like the local blues people and recorded them to the Library of Congress or something like that and then <clears throat> we see the next step gets electric electrified gets electric electrified now the acoustic guitar is fine down south because there's nothing but miles of empty fields out your window but in the city with all them street cars and automobiles you couldn't get yourself hey hey boy nobody want to hear that sharecropping music take that shit back down there to Mississippi What was different about his music that made him so impactful? First of all, his guitar Muddy Waters really is one, one of the pioneers of this kind of music. He uses a lot of uh, the slide technique. You see that he puts like a, a glass a cylinder on his finger. And when you do it, you play slide, you don't, um, a guitar has frets, which uh, uh, divide it into uh, different notes, semitones, if you want to be technical. And when you use the slide, it's like you don't have frets. It's like a violin doesn't have frets either, so you can like slide through the notes. It turns the guitar into more of a vocal instrument, I would say. Then it incorporates guitar in the melody of the song rather than just as a background instrument or an accompaniment instrument. Yeah. So, yeah. So, as Bridget, uh, you said also earlier when you talked about differences between blues and country music, yeah, the, the guitar is like one of the uh, voices in the song. The other main uh, thing is when you get electric, you have uh, distortion. And uh, you see it also not only in uh, Muddy Waters, you see it also uh, when uh, Little Waters is playing the harp and he hooks up the harp to the amp. Suddenly the harp is not like a kind of cute instrument that's playing in the background. Suddenly it has like a power of itself. See my life, I need her soul. Why she left, I don't know. Can't record a record with harmonica all over the place. Yeah, we can. 
Okay. At 49, since I settled down and cried. Now we are introduced to a new part of the evolution where you have African-Americans and Jews working together on, uh, on this kind of music. This is a partnership, an unequal partnership, albeit that has, that, you know, has gone on for uh, decades. Works. That's a record, that's a record. <laughs> Adrian Brody is like uh, the beginning we're uh, told okay he's not racist because he wants to talk to the black people as equal you know he's an outsider they're an outsider they have this shared experience of not being part of the mainstream and I guess that lends itself to the music because like they're more open to just like uh, okay let's try this I think this works it's they're not set in their ways they're like in the midst of something that is going on. It's not like, let's say today, classical music, it's set on 200, 300, uh, Bridget, correct me, of, uh, of music that is incredible and it will be very unlikely for any classical musician today to do something better than uh, Beethoven or Mozart. And uh, so this is like the beginning of that time, let's say in Austria or in other places, this is where we're at now. Things are happening. Now things are happening. Um, yeah, I, I think that's really true. And it's the story of really the popularization of that Chicago blues sound. Like, like Shai said, with the, you know, the um, electrification of the sound. Um, and it really sets it apart from what came before. Um, but it's interesting the way that this movie like ties into some of the other movies that we have been looking at as well, because... The sound of my rainy and also then the sound of the music of a oh brother we're out there that's the cultural background for this music so you can really see if you compare this film to those films that have the musical styles of earlier you can see the direct progression of that style from incorporation of country and bluegrass into something that homogenizes the sound of the blues and then something that uh, moved into electric blues and then where we're going to go into in the next movie as well with another development of the sound. And yeah, I, I think that was a really, that's, that's a really interesting uh, way that all these movies kind of brought that together. And yeah, I guess this ends, you know, sadly in a similar place that the Ma Rainey movie ended with the theft of that music and the appropriation of it by white people yet again it's just it's the kind of sad end of the story all the time but I, I do think this movie like as you said it's not it's not a great movie um, and I do think that the second half of it is the Beyonce show I think it's worth, worth mentioning that uh, I think most of the songs that the actors uh, form, they really sung their parts, uh, unlike uh, All About the World, which is dubbed in. Uh, so Jeffrey White really sang, most deaf really sang, uh, uh, Man Walker, and uh, of course Beyonce. Yeah, but every time Beyonce uh, sings, you, like suddenly everything is quiet, and you hear like it's the studio recording. And life is like a song.
Yeah, it's not a very good movie, but the acting is excellent. I really liked all the actors there, including Beyonce. She did do a good job, and she really looked like Etta James as well. She looked the part completely. In the end, you know, the, the reproduction of the songs by white musicians is just so inferior to, um, to their original versions, which I hope other people got that from that movie as well, but that's really what I took away from it. Thanks for my song. No, darling. No, 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 darling. That's, that's, that's my song. No, darling, that's Beach Boys. It's sweet 16, note for note. Note for note, not one change, aside apart from the, uh, the lyrics about the new, uh, the new craze sweeping the nation. For young white boys and girls surfing. I've provided them the soundtrack unbeknownst to myself. There's a lot of white appropriation, and also it was financial appropriation. So uh, a lot of the songs that the, this guy, uh, these guys uh, recorded and uh, created just got covered by uh, white musicians like Led Zeppelin, uh, Rolling Stones, Beach Boys, Elvis, etc., uh, etc. Et and they didn't get money for this. Uh, it was like uh, uh, folk music. Like, you know, in, in, uh, in Israeli music, when uh, there's like a, a term that you use for a, a song that you don't know who created it. Uh, Amami. Amami. Yeah, Amami, which is folk in English. So if you, you write down Amami, you don't have to pay anyone. Chuck, you ready? Oh, yes, yes, I'm ready. I'm very ready to uh, make more songs for the, the Beach Boys and uh, all other manner of white folks to, to steal. Yes. But I have to say that um, see it a little bit in the end when they go, uh, when they travel to England to perform and they suddenly get this big uh, welcome. It, was, it wasn't all bad. Uh, the records got to England. And in England, uh, the Rolling Stone listened to it. Uh, Beatles, Eric Clapton, and it suddenly got reinvigorated there, and uh, and then and then when they crossed uh, to perform in the states, it really popularized this kind of music, and also uh, a lot of like really uh, the black uh, musicians got to perform at England and filled out I don't know maybe not stadiums but really big places, and uh, they got the recognition they they wanted. They got at the end, they got some recognition during their lifetime. Yeah, yeah. A, lot of, a lot of these bands, even when they're white, they're good. The Rolling Stones, they're good. Led Zeppelin, I like them. not really going over the evolution of rock and roll but if uh, as they say in the in the movie rock and roll at first uh, the way Chuck Berry did it the way Elvis did it is just blues sped up so it's still very simple uh, the next stage of the evolution was when rock and roll and blues got to to the UK and there it got transformed and uh, got into other places and you got like I don't know, like uh, the beginning of psychedelic rock with, uh, I don't know, Sgt. Peppers and stuff like that. And uh, it was like the next step of the evolution. It, 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 it encountered a new culture. There's uh, like a, the part that uh, introduces the character, Chuck Berry, in the movie. He goes like to this, 
to this uh, place to perform and they think he's white and then they see he's black so and just and they say but you play country music so what what are you doing what so uh, once he got it like played blues but did it faster and like more upbeat so it kind of sounds like country but it's not really country and then it turned into rock and roll as we know it. they were locking up fine black women for sitting on buses stringing up our little bitty boys for whistling at white women not paying any mind at all to old Chuck who was reaping up their firstborn with this thing called rock and roll So uh, yeah so th- that's the, like the next step of the evolution and that really uh, connects to what you said at the beginning uh, when you said the blues music and the in its sub genres is like the most popular music in the world. It's because it was if it was only blues music, it's not that popular. It's niche. <laughs> yeah, it's a niche. But when blues evolves to rock and roll, evolves to R and B, and we'll see it in Ray. Uh, evolves to hip hop. Hip hop, yeah, for sure. They say I'm crazy when I'm about to go dumb again. They ain't see me because I pulled up in my other bins. Last week I was in my other other bins. All your diamonds up, cause we in this bitch another game. Photo shoot fresh, looking like wealth. I'm about to call a paparazzi on myself. Then you understand the scope of this, like, roots music that evolved to, like, a huge tree that encompasses... everywhere today yeah I think um, that point about the crossover the, like the cultural crossover of all those musicians and how they eventually got some recognition you know that is a good it's a good point um, I remember when I was really young my parents were huge fans of you too and they played rattle and hum like ad nauseum in my house um, and that's the album that features BB uh, King and also um, the gospel choir from Harlem. And I remember also there's a David Bowie album that collaborates with that gospel choir as well, or a different gospel choir, rather. Mm-hmm. Those artists did make sort of a, a comeback and they reached a new audience. Like, definitely, if the artists from the UK in the crossover hadn't, um, hadn't brought them into their own sound and, and collaborated with them, I don't think that I would know anything about blues music, really, and the roots of rock and roll as it is today. Like, for instance, the song Bad to the Bone. It's a really classic rock and roll song that I think probably everyone would know from the 80s. But that, as is demonstrated in Cadillac Records, is an utter rip-off of Manish Boy by Muddy Waters. Now, when I was a young boy, at the age of five, now on the day I was born, From these movies, at least, that people get an idea of the history of those songs and also of the cultural ownership of them. I don't know if it's, if it's like, if, 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 it ha- if it happens to a lot of people, but I know some guy, and maybe I can give a shout out to him, but I don't remember his name. <laughs> <laughs> you know who you are. <laughs> yeah, but you know who you are, the, the one that probably won't hear this. Yeah. <laughs> So there's, there's, there's a, a guy, a white guy, uh, I think he's from Cleveland. He listened to uh, Elvis when he was uh, young. And through Elvis, he started uh, to uh, think, okay, Hound Dog, where did, does that song came from? You ain't nothing but a hound dog. 
And then he started to research, and then he understood that Hound Dog is covered by Elvis for another blues uh, woman, uh, Big Mama Thornton. You ain't nothing but a hound dog. And, um, and he started getting really interested in blues music, and then he understood that uh, there's still blues music, uh, like the original uh, country blues music, Delta blues music, uh, happening in Mississippi, and he moved to Mississippi. He opened up like a shop there, that uh, sells like uh, blues records and like blues memorabilia and started like uh, really, I don't know if popularizing it because it's still a niche, but he, he made it like a tourist attraction to come there and like go and see right, like real blues musicians. And uh, like five years ago, I went there and it was amazing. And this guy, uh, and he's there because of Elvis. And if there was no Elvis, he wouldn't be there. And uh, I don't know, maybe those guys wouldn't have like such a crowd to come into the shows. And now there's, a, a, again, it's not like a very big tourist attraction, but it has like a steady flow of people coming in uh, from the United States and from overseas like I did and come and want to, to hear that original ballady blues music. I got on that free train I tried to beat my way The appropriation that came is now part of the story. Now when you go and you listen to the original, part of the experience is all the things that went wrong and now I guess maybe trying to correct them as uh, Bridget alluded to through movies and through other uh, ventures. It was, it was such an experience being there and listening to blues music there. Wow. Uh, do you want to move on to Ray or uh, Bridget? You want to? Yeah? Okay. Ray Charles saw the world in ways no one could imagine. I hear like you see. Like that hummingbird outside the window, for instance. I can't hear her. He broke barriers no one thought possible. what no one else dared. Nobody's ever combined R&B and gospel before. You're turning God's music into sex. All of y'all going straight to hell. If all of y'all want me to keep playing, let me hear you say amen. So Ray is like the most uh, classic biopic that uh, omits certain things and highlights other things, you know, to make a nice, clean story of uh, redemption and uh, happy ending and blah, blah, blah. But it's, it's like, as a product, it's very good. <laughs> Just like I wasn't bored at all re-watching it after, you know, 15 years, whatever. And great music and very interesting story, obviously, about Ray Charles. Uh, such a unique person and a unique journey and... So unlikely. When I walk out that door, I walk out alone in the dark. I'm trying to do something that nobody ever done in music and business. The innovator of soul, Ray Charles. Giving you a state-of-the-art deal here. Since I'm producing my own records, I was wondering if I could uh, own my masters too. Ray, we've never done that before. That's a better deal than Sinatra gets. Yeah. Uh, we didn't mention in Cadillac music, we saw also an evolution of, uh, of the... An evolution, quote unquote, of the money <laughs> that uh, white people give white, black people for the music. So it's like in Cadillac Records, it was uh, actually it was Chess Records, but he bought Cadillacs for his black music- musicians. And here, Ray, from where he starts out and where he ends up, 
this is a totally different part you know different kind of uh, you know uh, monetary compensation and ownership and status this is he broke through every yeah. barrier it takes charge of his uh, not only his music but his business yeah I think uh, Ray Charles was you know amazing person amazing musician he had a really hard life um, life that was you know began with a lot of trauma losing his brother uh, going blind as well and it played out in his life in drug use difficult relationships you know some poor choices um, but yeah ultimately he was his art is the thing that really shines through and luckily that was also the thing that shone through in his real life as a real person be able to be discovered and to get the opportunities that he did and share his music with a, a wide audience like at the beginning he says that he loves uh, country music uh, because of the stories so that's again goes to the the same uh, the same roots how come a black guy likes uh, this uh, white music no there's something that crossed the crosses over mm -hmm. like african-americans They don't mind listening uh, to white music, I, I guess, as much as uh, the other way around. At least, uh, I don't know, back in the day, now it's... Uh... It's the less busiest movie we're talking about, because most of Ray Charles' music isn't blues. It's what we talked about. It's like the, the sub-genres of blues, and the soul and R&B, a little bit of jazz, uh, yeah. And quite a lot of gospel as well. There's a part in the movie when he plays... Um, And you sung to his, uh, I don't know if, if she's his girlfriend there. Or, and she says, you can't play that. That's church music, that gospel music. You can't do that. Like dirty, uh, everyday. Sexual. Sexual, yeah. That's correct. It's, it's really important also. It's very sexual. And, uh, and he says, fuck it. <laughs> I'm going to play gospel. I'm going to sing uh, gos gospel style, but I'm going to sing about the secular uh, stuff I want to sing about. I mean, I'm sure you're right. I've never heard a sound like this before, but how the hell are we going to market this? We could cut the second verse, you know, pop back into the chorus. Hey, man, you cut that, I'll cut you in half. <sighs> all right, all right, right. <clears throat> we could uh, split it up. We'll do a side A, side B type of thing. It's been done before. What the hell, right? Yeah. Yeah, that, that mixing of gospel and of the R&B sound, it's really something that gives Ray Charles his own unique sound. He was, you know, so someone that I definitely listened to a lot growing up, both from my parents and also um, my partner. <laughs> When we were younger, he got a Ray Charles CD stuck in his car for a full year. <laughs> so everywhere we went together, we had Ray Charles playing at full volume uh, all the time, which was fine. Okay. You could do worse, though. You could do worse. <laughs> no, no. I, it, was, it was great. I really enjoyed it. Um, just that particular genre... Um, and his own unique sound. I think that's also something that really sets him apart from the Chicago blues sound that we talked about earlier. It's a more kind of upbeat sound, a little bit more of a driving rhythm, um, and a lot more harmony in the sound as well, and different musical textures that come through. And I think that's also part of what made him 
appealing to a really wide audience that that he was able to mix genres and just really spoke to a lot of people and something that has also made him really enduring as an artist I, th- I think you'd be hard pressed to find anyone that, who doesn't know who Ray Charles is yeah and I think you'll be hard pressed to find anyone that if you put some of those songs on would say I don't like it it seems unlikely because there are some songs there that are just like objectively very 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 good who, who can't like Georgia on my mind or hit the road or mess around or whatever it's just like really really yeah. good music yeah so uh, also we, we talked about earlier how you can divide the politics from uh, art and uh, we see that also when he like he was like I don't care about politics, I just do my thing. And then he goes to, I think, uh, Georgia, yeah. He goes to Georgia to perform. And, story. Yeah. And then they say, uh, okay, it's a segregated cl- crowd. And uh, then he understands that he can't really divide uh, his art from politics. And he decides that he won't play at Georgia. And then he gets banned from Georgia, even though he's from Georgia and he sings about Georgia. And uh, then you get the payoff at the end of the movie, and like the Hollywood ending, that they end uh, their... Uh, the harem? Ban, like unban him. And you said that, that uh, you fact-checked the movie, and you told me something about it. Yeah, I, I, I don't remember exactly, but I think they kind of dra- over-dramatized it. I think the ban ended much earlier, and then at this time they like uh, elected the Georgian Ramai to be the... Uh, anthem of Georgia uh, but it wasn't like at the same time uh, yes also also they, they show that uh, in the ceremony at the ending uh, they show his wife with him and she left him <laughs> at this point uh, rightfully so yeah. also I, I wanted also to bring it up because uh, we, we're talking about uh, the Afro-American and the, the revolution and they're starting to uh, get their own but you see the, the, the women they're still stuck with their husband that is cheating on them and then they have to raise children that are not their own <laughs> yes. and you see it also in Cadillac Records yeah so like ra- racial equality is always like a few steps ahead of yeah, gender equality exactly. so just a few notes before we, move, before we move on to the final movie the, the Bruce Brothers so again the pain is really important here as a source of inspiration for the art. That's right, hit the road, Jack. That's it, and don't you come back no more, no more, no more, no more. Hit the road, Jack. And don't you come back no more. What you say? Hit the road, Jack. And don't you come back no more, no more, no more, no more. Hit the road, Jack. And don't you come back no more. He's like... One of the musical uh, giants of the 20th century, yeah. no question asked. Yeah. And also he comes from the South, uh, Bama, Mississippi. So again, Georgia. All, Georgia, as you said. So this is again all those uh, elements that come into play. Okay, so let's end with the blues, mu- the, the blues Brothers, two white guys that you're not comedians that are not really talented in uh, music. Somehow they are <laughs> the protagonists of a movie with Ray Charles <laughs> and Aretha Franklin and all kinds of... Somehow they are the story, but there's some really, really good music. So like uh, in historical context... Uh, the also, sorry, James Brown also in the movie. Yeah, yeah. So Blues Brothers, uh, 
the characters originated in uh, Saturday Night Live in SNL. Uh, they had like, I think, a series of sketches which were, I don't know if they were sketches or just like uh, musical performances that they performed in the show. And they uh, gathered around them a group of musicians that were, I, th- I think they were the top mus- musicians in the R&B genre in that time. They meant this movie to be a celebration of this kind of music. And like, uh, let's give props to Cab Calloway and Ray Charles and Rita Franklin and uh, John Lee Hooker. It was really out of love for these guys and their music. And uh, you can say maybe it's white appropriation because at the end it's like their movie, they're the stars. I think it was, it, 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 it was made out of love, and you, and you feel it in the movie. You don't, you, don't, you don't feel that they're trying to outshine the stars, you're right, you're right. Yeah, and James Brown, I think it was like not a very good time for him financially and uh, musically, and uh, his performance there like really brought him back to the starlight. So it also helped them, the, these guys, I guess, financially and stuff. Right, like Shai and I, we talked about it before the recording, it's like... The 1980s Reagan, like, uh, quote-unquote, post-racial world. Like, oh, we don't see race. Like, there is no mention. It's, like, it's not relevant that they are all black. <laughs> all the, it's, like, it's as if it's, it's, it's not a thing. No, we are in prison. We are poor. You are poor. It's the same. No, it's, it's not the same. There's another thing that I have to carry that you don't have to carry on top of the being poor. Yeah, exactly. That's non-existent in the film. And I, I think the best part of the film are definitely um, the performances of music. Like, um, uh, the treatment of black culture as a whole as well, like in the in the scene at the beginning of the movie where they go to church and John Belushi has his epiphany and realises he's got to get his band back together. That whole scene of the crazy gospel scene in the church with people flipping in the air and, you know doing crazy dance moves and stuff is very like maybe it wasn't offensive back then but it definitely felt um, uncomfortable to watch now not a great representation but I, I, I understand what the point of this movie was from the people from Dan Aykroyd and Jim Belushi and I know that what they meant to do was to put that music in the in the foreground and and Again, with it's it's similar in some ways, I guess, to the white musicians um, in the period of the crossover championing black musicians and collaborating with them and bringing their music into a new context and giving it a new audience. Um, I think that that was sort of the intention. Well, they were raised by the man in the orphanage who is a black American man. All the heroes on... In the pictures on their walls, it's it's like Martin Luther King Jr. and and a whole bunch of other black social activists and musicians are the people who they look up to and respect, and they establish them, their own characters that way from the beginning of the movie. So that, that there's an obvious intention there, and I think that's that's good for what it is. But yeah, it's just, the rest of the movie was. Yeah, a little bit ordinary, I feel. <laughs> Just not particularly funny. I feel, I feel like this movie needs uh, an editor's cut. Like there's a director's cut that is longer. I feel this, this movie is in dire need of some editing because there's a lot of parts <laughs> there that are very, very, very long. 
and the pace of the movie is is too slow I, i i feel like you could just cut out 20 minutes 30 minutes easily easily and it will just be better it's funny the, the movie has like two halves two this distinct halves it's like the one half of the getting the band band back together and performing the show and there's the half of the ludicrous stunts <laughs> i think a lot of the stunts they were like made with real cars i think they blew out a lot of money like the mall chase scene it's like five six minutes just give me 40 seconds i understand i don't need to see another store getting wrecked another store getting I- wrecked I feel like it's on purpose. I feel like they, they wanted to do it as ludicrous as they can, as big and huge and uh, idiotic as they can. And uh, it's, I, don't, I, I find it funny. I find it funny. I think it's very SNL in that way. That's the, the sort of humor that SNL still does. And sometimes it's really funny. And they really capture something through their ridiculousness and over, being over the top in every scene. And sometimes it's... too much and it feels tedious it's, it's actually a hard humor to strike the balance on i think being being like a kid in israel and seeing this movie on tv and watching it again and watching it and watching again this is the way i got to know this music i mentioned earlier about oh by the way Adda, which like i got i got to know more the roots of the music but the like the Late, later evolution of the music, the, the blues, the R&B, the soul, and Ray Charles and uh, James Bond, I didn't know them. I knew, knew them from this movie. Yeah, yeah, you're right. When I watched it back in the day, this movie felt radical. Yeah, it's definitely something that... Um, it, it was a very unique movie at the time, to have all that music in it and to be that silly and, and that funny. And... Boom, boom, boom. Yeah, I, I remember that feeling of it too. Like, it was a lot of people's favorite movie that was always on telly. And <laughs> yeah, it was always keeping around. And I, I also think, you know, I remember the performance of Shake Your Tail Feather by Ray Charles and, um, you know, watching those dance sequences and really feeling the energy from them. Do it right. I do think it's the positive takeaway from the movie is is all the music and the performances yeah seeing all those artists together in one one piece of media that brings together all the all the different musical styles as well you know it's not just one style of blues this this marries everything together I have one anecdote not really related to anything but uh, uh, Good yeah <laughs> in the 90s uh, in our version of uh, like uh, Halloween Purim yes Uh, me and my friend we dressed up like the blues brothers uh, we had like our hats and the suits and the and everybody thought we were many black <laughs> <laughs> it was like the time that many black went out exactly so it wasn't a good time another thing that uh, uh, strike me now where we watching this movie is It's the good old days, right, when uh, American cops uh, didn't like uh, Nazis. Hey, what's going on? Ah, those bums won their court case, so they're marching today. What bums? The fucking Nazi party. Illinois Nazis. 
I hate Illinois Nazis. Nobody liked Nazis uh, four years ago. Uh, <laughs> I think. Very unpopular at one time. Now, yeah, now it's I, I still like feel like really glad when they just <laughs> drive into the Nazi rally. It's like, yeah. Oh, this is like the opposite of what happened in the Charlottesville when the Nazi guy went with his car yeah. and killed a woman. Okay, sorry, I just okay. killed the buzz. I yeah, killed the buzz. Killed the buzz yeah. Sorry, sorry, <laughs> sorry. Uh, okay, so uh, Bridget, just because I see that it's already long. <laughs> yeah, it's dark now. Why? It's yeah. dark now. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Behind Bridget, when we started, it was, uh, you know, sunrise. Now it's already sundown. This is how, how, how long it's been. It's been a long day <laughs> or a short day. Yeah. So uh, something's up for us, uh, this journey, uh, the way uh, that you want to sum, things, uh, sum it up, uh, Bridget. Um, well, it was great watching all these movies and, and getting to learn about this genre of music that I hadn't really learned about in depth before all my musical education is really more in classical music so this is uh you know there was new information in these movies to me um and it was also great to watch the progression of where this music um came into the cultural scene of america and how it progressed to be something that is now heard and felt and loved all over the world and has influenced so much of our popular culture um, and it's just a part of our, you know, a, a part of everyone's shared cultural landscape now. Well, I guess if you say so, I'll have to pack my things and go. That's right. To see the cultural origins of that was really wonderful. And I think the best film out of the lot is definitely Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, and I'm really glad that I watched that movie. I think that's a movie I'd recommend for anyone to watch um, because of the subtle nuanced way that it talks it deals with social issues um and how much ground it's able to cover in such a short time in in a small space in just one day of uh of a story yeah um thanks for asking me to watch all these movies and do this podcast because it was great um okay i also had a really fun uh, recording the podcast uh and um for me, this is like uh, this is like I guess the main uh, genre of music I like listening to this nowadays. I agree with you. I think Ma Rainey Black Bottom is probably one of the most interesting in the in the way that it shows all of the not only the music but all of its uh, context in uh, this time and its complexity. But I also really like Oh by the way, Ada. I think it's an excellent movie. It's one of the best by the Coen Brothers, and it's saying something. I had a great time. Yes, I, I, I had a great time. Uh, we're going to do it again. Yeah. Classical music next? Classical music next. Well, you're primed and ready, Gil. You've been to Mozart's house. I've been to Mozart's house. Been there. And Mozart and I... Met him. We share a, we share a birthday. We're both uh, born on the January 27th. I learned that by going to the place where Mozart uh, was born you and see, raised. It's meant to be. It's meant to be. I'm looking forward to it. Uh, one last thing about uh, Ma Rainey's Bottom... A lot of emotion. Also, it's uh, Chadwick Boseman's uh, last movie. Last movie. Yeah. It does a very good it's job. very emotional. And just knowing that the actors, while even though it's been 100 years, it brings something uh, out of them. There's also one of my favorite, one of my favorite uh, you know, uh, character actors. Uh, 
I learned his name now. It's uh, Glyn Turman. He plays uh, Clarence Royce, the Baltimore uh, mayor in The Wire. And also he plays, does a great role in the previous season of uh, Fargo. He plays a doctor senator. Just wonderful actor. And apparently he was married to Aretha Franklin. Now this is my man. This is my restaurant. You two are going to just walk right out that door. Uh, okay, so thank you. Thank you very much, guys. Shy, Bridget. Uh, we'll do it again uh, soon in a couple of months. And uh, I hope uh, that you had the time, uh, that you had fun listening to this conversation as we had fun uh, recording it. Bye, you guys, and bye, everybody. Thanks, guys. Bye. Bye, bye.